I want to talk to you today about a, a, the topic of a leader must be strong in God's grace. A leader must be strong in God's grace. And what I want us to understand is that God has called all of us to be leaders. I'm not saying that you're going to necessarily be the next Billy Graham. I'm not saying that uh, maybe you're not even going to be a Sunday school teacher or a volunteer in the church, but all of us are called to be leaders. Are you with me? We're, we're facing some very interesting and scary times. This week I read an article that said there had been over 700 police, police officers that had been hurt, wounded, or even killed during the riots. There's been others that have lost their lives during the riots. And I believe in equality. I believe the Bible says that we are one race. We are all of one blood. And I want justice for every everyone in the human race. But we're living in times where it's truly scary. Even though we're removed from the lower 48 and we haven't had the riots and the looting, it's still part of our nation. It's still the nation that our children and grandchildren are growing up in. And church, I want you to join me as in being a Christian leader. Because God has called all of us to take a stand in our nation and to be what Christ has called us to be. To take that leadership that comes from the, the strength of the grace of God and take a stand for what is right. We live in a time, unfortunately, where Christian leadership has many times lost its integrity. Where Christian leadership has failed. We've had Christian leaders that have even gone to jail or had to stand publicly having a great TV ministry and have to repent. Church, we need Christian leadership in our nation. Amen? I don't only believe that this is a scary time to be living in. I believe it's a great time to be living in for the church. I believe it's a time of breakthrough. I believe it's a time when the church of Jesus Christ can rise up in the strength of God's grace and we can be the church He intended for us to be. It's when you become a Christian leader in your home, a Christian leader at work, a Christian leader in, in whatever social things you're involved in, whatever community activities. But wherever you are and whoever you're with, you are a Christian leader. You are allowing the grace of the Holy Spirit working in your life to make a difference so that when people see your life, they see Jesus. I want you to join me in, in the second chapter, and I want to, I want to read a, a lengthy part of this passage, but it's filled with Christian leadership, and I think every point is important. I want you to just begin with me at verse 1. 
You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We're called to be strong. But we're not called to be strong in our own ability. We're called to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the Word of God is not chained. I like that. Amen? Paul's saying, even though they're accusing me of being evil, and, and I'm even thrown in prison, in chains, it's not going to chain the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ from going forward. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about, wor about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase in more godliness, ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. We ask that You just stir our hearts with Your Word today, that when we leave this place, we will have been changed by Your wonderful presence. Amen. In this passage, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's speaking about Christian leadership. But it doesn't just apply to someone who's going to be a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or evangelist. It applies to every one of us. There are people that strive to do things in their own strength, in their own ability. All of us are susceptible to that. Because God's gifted us, He's given us talents and gifts and abilities that we rely on to get the job done. But Paul is telling Timothy the very first thing. 
What does he say? You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, it's not going to be because of our giftings and abilities that he's given us. It's going to be because of the grace of God working in us and through us. I want, I want, to let, want you to let that set, set in. You know, I love this church. I love this community. And my heart desires to see our church filled more than once on a Sunday. Multiple times on a Sunday. But I'll be the first to tell you it's not going to take place because of my giftings or my abilities. It's going to take place because we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit and the grace of God is working through our lives. It's God's grace. Most of us understand that we're saved by God's grace. Amen? The verse we commonly refer to is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. All of us understand that we bring nothing into this proposition except ourselves and believing that God's going to save us. We are forgiven by the grace of God and we are brought into the family of God. We are saved. But church, many times, all of us normally would say, yes, I know that truth. I'm not saved by my works. It's not about what I can do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. And we celebrate. We shout hallelujah. We thank God for what He's done. But what do we do after that? Many times, we forget about partnering and relying on God's grace and His Spirit working in us, and we try to strive and do everything on our own. We're going to grit our teeth. I'm going to use my strength to get this done. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Church, it doesn't work that way. We will never accomplish what God wants to accomplish through our lives unless we are just totally surrendered to Him and say, Lord, here's a vessel. Fill me up. I surrender to You. Lord, You and Your grace are going to bring it to pass what needs to be done through my life. Amen? It's His grace that we continue to rely on. One of the verses in the Old Testament that we commonly referred to along this line is in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord in this passage the word might in the original Hebrew means strength it's also used for wealth we're not going to accomplish things because of all the money that we have it also is used for an army we may lead a large group of people, but we're not going to get it done unless we rely on the grace of God. This word's also used for influence. It's not about our personality, our charisma, what we have. That's what we're going to do to get it done. No, we're going to surrender and rely on the grace of God. The word power in this verse means human labor. It also means social, political, and economic forces. Did you hear that? We're not going to accomplish God's plan by social, political, or economic forces. It's got to be God's grace working through the church. 
This word also means intellectual capability. It's not how smart we are. It's about how surrendered we are. And this verse also means determination. There's nothing wrong with being determined, but you need to be determined that you're going to rely on the grace of God and what He guides and directs us to do. Listen to this. Grace is the operational power of the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody ought to write that down or tweet it. Grace is the operational power of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not what we're doing on our own. It's what the Spirit of God's doing through us. Now look at verse 2 in our text in 2 Timothy. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's four generations listed here. First of all, Paul says what? He says, the things that you heard from me. So we have Timothy being taught by Paul. It's being passed down from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. But then he says that you, Timothy, need to commit these things to faithful men. And then the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. A Christian leader is someone who learns godly truth and then shares that truth and then in turn that person shares that truth to faithful people who will then share it again are you with me church this is so powerful especially as parents because our children are being indoctrinated in the schools that there is no god especially by the time they go to the universities they are anti-god anti-christ And they are teaching our children, and many of them are falling away from faith in God. And all it takes is just one generation, and the church is crippled. Church, we need to train our children in the way they must go, in the things of God. We teach our children, there's a God that loves you, like Bob just said. There's a God that provides for you. There's a God that's in control. You can trust Him. He will direct your life. He will make your life fulfilling. The only way that we're going to reach the ultimate fulfillment in this life is through surrender to God and relying on His grace. In verse 3, Paul writes, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So now he's giving us an example. I want, you to, I want you to see this example. What do you think about when you think about a soldier? A good soldier. You think about a soldier who's going to take it to the enemy. Right? A soldier that's going to charge the, the dugout with a grenade and save his platoon or whatever. You, you think of a soldier who's going to go forward on, on the offensive. But what does this verse say? Verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Again, we see it is relying on the grace of God. How do we endure? Through the grace of God. Church, you are going to experience battles. I'm going to say that again. You're going to experience attacks. 
And you can't have a victory unless you have a battle. But in the midst of the battle, God's not telling us, you are going to do it on your own. You're going to be the hero. He's saying, you're going to be able to endure the greatest bombardment of the enemy because you're my soldier and you're relying on my grace. My grace is your strength. Amen? We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about battles. But church, we will face battles. But the key there is that these battles don't get us down. They don't defeat us. They don't destroy us where we just give up and say, well, I can't do it. I can't be a Christian. I can't trust God. And we just say, well, I'm going to give up. No, Christians are never in defeat even in the midst of the greatest bombardment of the enemy because the battle belongs to the Lord. And it's His grace that will see us through. It's His grace, His strength that comes from that, that we can endure as a good soldier and say, I'm still a part of the Lord's army. I'm still going to go forward. I'm still going to accomplish. God's going to give me the victory. And He's giving me everything I need until the victory comes. Amen? Look at verse 5 with me now. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What do we think about a great athlete? We think about the athlete that breaks the tape first, charges through, leans forward. He's using all of his power and skill, and he breaks the tape. We think about in football, a runner plowing through the defense, crossing the plane of the football goal and spiking the football, maybe doing his end zone dance. In basketball, you think about a breakaway and he gets the pass and he's out in front and he comes up and takes a couple of steps and slam dunks it. You th- and everybody goes, yeah! Well, what does Paul say about the athlete? He says he competes in athletics, but he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. He's talking about integrity. And church, I want to ask you, Are you running the race for Christ in integrity? Or do you compromise? It's awful quiet in here. And church, I want you to know I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. How are we going to see our nation change when the Christians rise up and they see the integrity in our lives and we're relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit the grace of God bringing that strength and enabling us not to compromise we can do it we can finish the race we can receive the crown 
But if we start compromising in little areas, guess what? That compromise takes over and we begin to fail in other areas. And that compromise in our lives just grows bigger. In church, we can do it! <laughs> we can be people of integrity that when the world sees us, we are genuine Christians. We're the real deal. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but I'm saying that it, the Lord, we're, we're open to Him. We're allowing the Spirit of God to convict us. And guess what? The Holy Spirit, when you start heading towards compromise, but you're surrendered, you're welcoming the grace of God and the Spirit of God to move in your life, guess what? The Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit says, Stop. Don't do it. Go the other way. Right? And then if Bruce continues, Stop it, Bruce, now! Don't do it! The Holy Spirit gets a little louder in your ear, right? Where that if you're going to compromise and you're going to not be a person of integrity, you're going to get an earful from the Holy Spirit. He's going to say, stop it. He's going to warn you. He's going to enable us. And then we're going to rely on God's grace. God, forgive me. Help me not to compromise. Help me to be a person of integrity. One of the most powerful things you can do is determine in your heart as a Christian Lord I want a heart of integrity Lord I want everybody that knows me to know that I am striving to be a man of my word or a woman of my word a, a man who who lives by your word a, a woman who who acknowledges your grace and desires to be that Proverbs 31 woman amen that's what, that's what Paul's talking about here. Look at verse 6. The, handy, the hand-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The hard-working, excuse me. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. If there's anybody in the world that has to rely on the grace of God, it's farmers. They can till the soil. They can get it just right. They can plant all the seed. They can have everything just right. But if God doesn't give enough sunshine, if God doesn't give the right amount of, of rain, guess what? The crops are going to fail. And so here again, Paul is saying, we're relying on the grace of God. If our lives are going to be fruitful, it's going to be because of the grace of God working in our lives. Now look at verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker. Now he's referring to us as workers. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Church, I want you to get this. Your work as a Christian is to know God's word. Not to be spoon-fed from Pastor Milk. It's to know and to divide. What, how does it say there again? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. We will be approved by God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, we know the word of God well enough that if someone is standing in the pulpit and they say something that doesn't line up with the word of God, immediately there's a red flag that goes off and we say, I know that's not true. Amen? It's knowing the Word of God for whatever situation you're in. So that, like it said in the beginning, we can share the truth with someone else who will encourage them and build them up and enable them to share the truth with somebody else. We rightly divide the Word of truth. It's not just about coming on a Sunday and hearing a message. If you're not reading God's Word on a daily basis, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. And guess what? Our society says, oh, that's a waste of time. Why would you read that ancient book? It doesn't even seem to fit together. It seems to contradict itself. And they have all these things that they say about the Word of God. Church, if we've ever needed the Word of God, we need it right now. Amen? We're living in a time where we need to know the answers for the trials that we face. We need to know the answers for those that are around us. Church, this isn't a book that's supposed to be on the shelf collecting dust that when somebody comes over you say, oh, this is my family Bible. No, it's a book that is supposed to be filled with your education, your learning, your notes. I say this all the time. It's okay to write in your Bible. Some people think, oh, it's God's Word. I won't do that. My Bible is filled with notes. I've filled numerous Bibles with notes and had to start over because I've wore them out. And I still have more to learn. Amen? My grandfather was not 92 years old when he passed away. But in the latter years, every morning, he would be in his study learning something new and he would come out of his office just refreshed or on fire because God had given him a, a brand new revelation. We never stop learning. We never stop dividing rightfully the truth of God's Word. Amen. We could, we could preach the whole message on that, but I'm going to go. Look at verse 16. Paul gives another example, and this one's a, a contradiction of what he's been talking about. He's been talking about people that had, a, that had a servant's heart to share the Word of God and to minister to others, those that were relying on God's grace, those that were able to endure in difficult times, those that were trusting in God's grace, those that were, weren't going to compromise but be integrious. Look at verse 16. But shun profane idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overflow or they overthrow the faith of some. These guys could talk the talk. Here, Paul's giving a contrast. They, they were in the group of Christians. And they could talk about Christian things. They even were trying to teach. But they were teaching something that was false, contrary, and causing people to turn from their faith. And so Paul says it's God's grace that will enable us 
to see those things, to, to know when it's not truth. And it's God's grace that will keep us from falling into that. Amen? Paul addresses the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Listen to what he says. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Did you hear that? Paul was warning them, even while he was there three years with the church, when I leave, there are going to be those that are going to come like wolves, and they're going to try to distort the gospel. Church, we need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand the Word of God. Because there are still wolves that will try to come and deceive us. Amen? Paul gives one other example, and he gives an example of Jesus. Look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now he mentions Jesus in all his glory and Paul speaking of Christ and the fact that he paid the price through his death and resurrection. And what I want us to see there is we don't walk in the victory of a resurrection without dying to self and going through some suffering. Nobody likes suffering. I don't like suffering. But Jesus suffered on the cross before He entered the re resurrection victory. Church, we will suffer things. Now there is a pathway to victory. Listen to this. A pathway of discipline, discipleship, death to self, and having times where we suffer through things. There's a misnomer in the church that when you give your heart to Jesus, that all of a sudden everything's perfect. I'm a Christian now. God's going to bless me. I'm going to have a house with a little white picket fence. Everything's going to be great. If you're never suffering an attack, then you're not doing anything from for Jesus. But when you get attacked, you know, church, that you're doing something for Jesus and the enemy scared at what God's going to do through your life. Amen? Look at verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul is saying, I don't mind suffering. I don't mind going through these battles. I don't mind these things because I want to see people come to know Jesus. Amen? It's awesome to think about in the early church, the greatest time of expansion and when the church was just going forward, a lot of that time, Paul was in jail. So it wasn't Paul's charisma. It wasn't 
Paul's great oratory skills. It was God's grace that even in jail, Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Those letters were being taken out and the church was being ministered to and they were rising up in integrity they were rising up not ashamed they were rising up sharing the love of Jesus and the church was exploding I love that I don't like difficult times but church I know that God's going to see me through them So many times we think that leadership has to do with our personality or our giftedness, our abilities, how we can persuade others or prove ourselves strong. But Paul says, no, that's not how it happens. It's going to get done because of surrender in your heart and allowing the grace of God to work through you. I want to ask the worship team to come. And I want you to turn with me back to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. I mentioned this earlier, but I want to end with this, and I want you to see something powerful here. In this passage, Zechariah has a prophecy that comes to him in a vision. And the prophecy is for Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was charged with rebuilding the temple. And in this prophecy, Zechariah comes and he's speaking to Zerubbabel. In verse 6, he says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. So in this prophetic word, Zechariah says, this great mountain that seems overwhelming, that you're not going to be able to do it. God says, I'm going to take that mountain and make it, pl- make it a plain. How many are facing a mountain today and you need God to make that mountain a plain? Then he continues and says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Now listen to this. And he shall bring forth the capstone. The capstone was the final stone that was laid at the top corner of the pillar. It was the finishing touch. In other words, God was telling him, You don't need to worry. I'm going to get this job done. But listen to this. He says, With shouts of grace, grace to it. (laughs) There was one thing that Zerubbabel was to do. He was not going to do it with his good looks. He was not going to do it with his army. He was not going to do it with his great intelligence. He wasn't going to do it with anything in his own ability. He was simply going to see God work by the power of His Holy Spirit in the grace of God in this situation But all he was to do is to shout, grace, grace to it. (laughs) Oh, come on, church. I want you to get this. In a very real way, he was saying, 
the strength to get this job done is going to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of God is going to get it done. So you cry out for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in this situation by His grace. And the job's going to get done. Amen. I love that. And I want to ask you today, what are you facing that you need to just shout grace to it? Do you need to shout grace over that situation, over that financial need? You need to shout grace over that problem at work or the lack of a job. What is it you need to shout grace? And then you just surrender your life to the Lord and say, Lord, work in me. Work through me, Lord. Lord, I'm bringing this mountain to you. Make it a plain. I'm bringing this situation to you. It seems hopeless to me, but I'm trusting you. And, I, and I'm going to shout grace to it. Amen. Praise God. One person today got my message. I want you to stand with me and I want our prayer team together around the back and across the front. And I want to ask you today, church, do you love our nation? Do you care about our country? Because our country needs Christian leadership. They don't just need Christian leadership from me. They need Christian leadership from you. They need your Christian leadership on the job. They need your Christian leadership, the children in your home. They need your Christian leadership wherever you are and with whoever you encounter. We need to be people of integrity, people of righteousness, people of holiness, people that have surrendered to God totally and completely and say, Lord, let your grace strengthen me. Let your grace be evident in my life. We need to be people that when we face difficult situations, we shout grace. Grace to God. As Mitch begins to lead us, I'm just going to invite you to find one of our prayer team today. Find one of our team today and come together and just agree with them and shout grace over whatever you're facing. But before we do that, I want you to pray with me that we'll agree together as a church we want to be an integrious church. A church that when people come in, they recognize that we're not just playing church. We're not just going through the motions. But we're striving to walk the walk and talk the talk. Our hearts are open and welcoming the Spirit to strengthen us by grace that we can be the leadership that we need to be. Father, we just thank You for Your Word today. Lord Jesus, we love You with all of our heart. We thank You, Lord that Your grace is sufficient. And Lord, our nation needs Christian leadership. And Lord, I just ask You right now that our church, I know there are many good churches in our valley, and I thank You for them. But Lord, as for this body of believers, our heart's desire is to be integrious. 
to be people that are willing to go through the battle and endure because of the grace of God. That we're dependent upon Your grace to see what You desire to be done fulfilled through our lives. Lord, I pray for our church. Lord, I shout grace! Grace over our church! I shout grace over every family. I shout grace over every individual. Lord, I shout grace over every financial struggle. I shout grace over every emotional struggle. I shout grace over every family that's being torn apart. I shout grace over every physical need. Those that need healing. Those that have a mountain, Lord, facing them. I shout grace. I shout grace over our community. I shout grace over our state. I shout grace over our nation. Grace, Lord, we need grace. Move by your spirit, Lord. Move by your grace. Lord, let it start in us. Hallelujah.
There's nothing 